our studies in Ephesians are going to be tied into a, a theme that will be spread a little bit more widely through the term, um, and that is uh, the theme of stepping forward. How uh, might you want to step forward in your faith? What might your step be? Um, and this is all kind of oriented around uh, our baptism and confirmation service, which we'll be having on the 15th of November. And whether or not that's the step forward that you might want to take, uh, we'd love you to think of that as a moment to make a specific commitment to some form of stepping forward in your faith uh, and in your, participa- in your participation in this church. Um, and in many ways, the book of Ephesians is uh, a book that describes what it means to find your identity uh, and your meaning in Christ um, and how that affects the way you invest yourself, the way you behave, um, and in particular how you relate to the family that you join, which is the church. In other words, how do we step forward uh, in the story of faith? Um, How do we do that in a way that remembers uh, and expresses the reality that goes beyond the reality which is immediately apparent, and yet is actually more real and more human than that that we can see. I want to tell you two stories to illustrate this. Um, The first is uh, from when I was working as a musician. A singer and I got hired to go into a hospital, and uh, and we were playing. I had a keyboard sort of balanced on a medical trolley, and we were basically going between wards and uh, singing and uh, um, I remember one particular ward we went into uh, was the cancer ward. And uh, we found ourselves next to this uh, woman with her husband by her bed. Um, and uh, she was uh, clearly unwell. She had lost all of her hair. Um, she uh, was uh, tired um, and hollow. Um, and we asked her what song she would like us to sing. And she uh, thought of a song and... Uh, she and her husband uh, smiled as they tried to remember the words and sang along weakly uh, with us, who uh, we didn't know the words either. Um, so, uh, um, but I'm going to take the very courageous step of, uh, of singing that song, at least the first verse. And I'm not a singer, so I have to apologize for that. Um, but it's a song that many of you will know, so feel free to join in. And... Um, you need to remember that this is, we're singing this by the side of this woman who um, is, uh, is surrounded by tubes and uh, machines. It's late in the Wonderful 
So you can imagine the scene. Um, and as we sang, uh, it was clearly an important song for them as a couple. And her identity changed. It's as if she was wearing that dress again. Uh, it's as if her cheeks uh, uh, filled out and uh, blushed with colour. Uh, she stepped into a different story. What is it that they were remembering? Was it uh, the first dance at their wedding? Maybe maybe he was remembering uh, walking out of the bathroom, tying his tie ready for a night out with her and her straightening her dress in front of the mirror and saying, does this make me look fat? I'm not sure. Uh, it might be that they were looking forward with hope to that being a day that they might be repeating. Um, I don't know what her prognosis was. Um, But the point is that at that moment, she was no longer just a a broken body that needed fixing. Um, She was suddenly again a wife, beautiful, um, loved and cherished by this man. And the cancer that was ravaging her body at least for that moment, no longer defined her. And, and me and uh, my singer friend suddenly felt like imposters, really, uh, in this private memory. But that's what story does, isn't it? It, it uh, opens our eyes to an identity that's maybe beyond what might be immediately apparent. I should probably say that most, m- most of my music work was not nearly as meaningful as that. It involved a lot more sort of fancy dinner parties and being ignored in the corner and being reminded to smile more when I played Girl from Ipanema. Um, but there were days like this which felt uh, you know, quite profound. Let me tell you another story, and this story is also uh, beside a hospital bed. There is, it's the last hospital bed we'll talk about today. Um, this is about a friend of mine called Chris. Chris was in his 70s. He had had a very high-flying career as a business leader um, and also... Uh, moved into the NGO sector, had led a major mission agency. Um, he was a tall, big man with a loud uh, voice and a slightly pompous air about him. And he had, um, he had a dry, sarcastic sense of humor that men of that age often do. And it made him quite an intimidating presence. Um, many years before, he had lost his first wife and had recently just remarried um, And life was suddenly looking great. Um, He was trying to get into shape. He was doing lots of exercise, losing weight after the spare tire that all those business dinners had given him. Um, And uh, and life was really looking up. He was looking forward to a wonderful autumn slash winter of his life. This was in Vancouver. He had this beautiful house in the mountains uh, looking down the Fraser Valley, across the Fraser Valley to uh, Mount Baker in Washington State. It was all looking fantastic. And then, uh, then Chris had a stroke, and he was paralyzed uh, from the neck down, and he could barely utter a word or two. Um, and the doctors gave him very little hope of improvement, and suddenly everything had changed. He was going to spend his, the rest of his life in a hospital bed. Um, in, in more candid moments, I think we found ourselves asking, well, why, why this? Why did, uh, uh, what's, what's the point? Why didn't God just take him rather than leave him uh, with this hopelessness? And I'm sure a number of you could tell similar stories uh, of, of uh, relatives that you've seen go through this kind of thing. And I remember sitting with Chris 
uh, on a visit to Vancouver. He had kind of lost the art of conversation, and he just sat there quietly. I, was, I sat there with my MacBook on my knees uh, doing some work, and he sat in his big, fancy, motorized bed. Um, and in many ways, he and I both uh, were battling for meaning in our lives. Um, I think, uh, obviously, for Chris, the battle was a little bit more obvious. You know, we, many of us know how meaningless life can look in the, in the harsh light of a, of a hospital ward. Um, rightly or wrongly, we derive a huge amount of meaning from what we do. And if we can't do anything, that affects our sense of meaning. Um, especially, I think, probably if you're um, a man like Chris in his, of his generation. Me, on the other hand, um, I, I was coming out of many years of vocational wilderness, of trying to make sense of what I was supposed to be doing with my life, um, and where I felt really directionless. Um, and it had been tough, but I was now looking at ordination. I was considering whether or not that was the right way forward. Um, and that was giving me a sense of purpose. People might admire me again. And that gave me a wonderful sense of meaning. So we're both battling uh, in, in different ways in the quietness. Um, and, uh, and suddenly Chris's pastor turns up. And very much like me and my singer friend in that cancer ward, he turns to Chris and says, well, what would you like to hear? What Bible passage would you like to hear? And I don't think Chris was actually that fussed. Um, but somehow they landed uh, on Ephesians 1. And I, and I have this crystal clear mo- uh, memory of the moment when the passage, Ephesians 1, marched into the room and, and really changed everything. Let's look at it. So just imagine us sat there, and the pastor says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be, the Lord, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves." In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So at that moment, the grace of God uh, marched in and confronted us. Uh, We were both 
really taken out of our little stories, um, our little strivings for meaning um, and uh, importance. And we were both placed into this much bigger story. And it was a story that made the difference between Chris and I negligible. It made, it made it laughable that there was any difference between Chris and I. We'd been leveled by the grace of God welcoming us into one story. Um, it's as if uh, we were suddenly the same. We were sat side by side in the same hope, in the same identity as children of God. Uh, it's as if Ephesians 1 was our Eric Clapton song. But in some ways it was so much more. Um, as I said, that this couple in the cancer ward, I don't know what her prognosis was. Um, but certainly any hope they had would have been a very uncertain hope. Um, whereas for Chris and I, the story that we are being called into was a story about a future hope, a future certainty. Um, and it asked us to step forward into this future, into this reality, into this humanness. What did stepping forward mean for Chris? Um, I think it, it really meant uh, using the enforced stillness, the enforced uselessness of that bed uh, to focus on letting go of his sense of earthly importance, uh, to focus on his true identity as God's chosen child. What did it mean for me? Well, in some ways it meant something very similar, uh, just from a different angle. Whether or not I was going to go uh, into church leadership, it was vital that I derived my sense of identity and purpose the same way that Chris did. It meant that, in practical terms for me, it meant that I needed to work on the time I spent with God each day where I could be rooted into this other story, rooted into this other identity. What would it have meant for you um, if you had been sat there uh, at that, by that hospital bed. But that's the nature of this book. I mean, it's the nature of the whole Bible, particularly it's the nature of Ephesians. It's a bit like the, the London Eye or uh, the glass lift in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've been in neither, but, um, but the, the, there's that sense of being lifted out of the streets and the neighbourhoods uh, where we live, uh, with their hospital beds and their laptops, with their, uh, with their meeting reminders, uh, with their school runs and their odd socks. Um, it takes us far above all of that, shows us what they really mean uh, when they're placed into the overarching story of God from eternity to eternity. And as a result of being lifted into that story, we see our Christian brothers and sisters as characters intertwined in that same story. So what is this big story that we're welcomed into? Well, we're just going to hit some, some of the headlines in the passage. Because um, in, in many ways, Paul is just gushing. Um, his, the, whole, um, the whole passage we read in the Greek is one sentence. He just keeps babbling. He's just gushing and overflowing in praise. Um, and so it's, it fits better if we allow it to function that way as opposed to pulling it apart. There's plenty of the rest of the book where he digs more deeply into some of the, the topics in this opening uh, paragraph. 
but that's for next week and the weeks uh, beyond it. Fundamentally, the story is about Christ's glorious rule over all things. Verse 10 there, uh, his purpose is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And in fact, the word Christ uh, um, already sort of teases out this idea. Christ basically just means king. Um, if you were to, it's, there's, there's 10 verses in which, in which the word king appears. If you were to take the word Christ out and replace it with king and reread it, you'll get a strong sense of how this passage is dripping with kingship. It's really about the kingship of Christ. And that if only we could get this, if only we could grasp this reality, it would change everything. And it's Paul's prayer, in fact, we see later in the book, that we would grasp this truth that he he talks about, how it surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond the mind. It goes into our emotions, our imaginations. It fills us fully, and through it we are transformed in our bodies. His prayer is that somehow we would grasp hold of this idea, the kingship of Jesus. As As we follow the human story through all of its hospital beds. There is no greater ending than the rule of Christ, where there will be no more tears, which is why Paul just can't contain himself, and he babbles this enormous sentence. What we also see is that every part of this plan, including our own part of the plan, is the initiative of God. Look at verse 11. And look at all the intentionality words that we find there. It says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I think, I think we call that a little bit of verbal redundancy. He says he doesn't need nearly so many words to say what he's got to say. Um, but it's, we're in no doubt uh, that he means that God is fully the initiator of every part of this story, including our own. Um, and this plan of God's, uh, which spans the whole of history, um, is a plan which he has let us in on. Look at verse 4. For he chose us in the king before the creation of the world. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in the king. Verse 13, you also were included in the king when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. As I said, in the coming weeks we will look into some of these ideas with a little bit more care. Uh, but for now, um, a few, if you remember a few weeks ago, um, we were talking about uh, Israelite kings. And one of the things we said was that um, one of the core parts of being a king in Israel was that you represented the people before God. So there's that sense here that when uh, King Jesus stands uh, in front of the Father, we stand around him gathered around him as he speaks with the father that is what it means for us to be included with the king 
Note, note also that the essence of the rule of King Jesus is reconciliation. It's a rule which brings everything together. Verse 10 again. His purpose is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under the king. Uh, you and I are brought to the king uh, through uh, his blood, uh, through the death of the king. Through that, uh, we are forgiven and released uh, from slavery to sin. These are, these are big ideas which we will uh, unpack in future weeks. But you see it there in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. But also, if you and I are included under Jesus' kingship, we are brought together with each other. In chapter 2, he talks about how Christ the King is our peace. Uh, He has destroyed the barriers that divide us. So it is in this togetherness of a community of believers uh, that we, that is the primary way in which we exhibit uh, this story of God's rule over this earth. Um, It is the togetherness of this church which is the the Eric Clapton song to the neighbourhood. Um, and over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll see some of the images that Paul uses to unpack that idea. He'll talk about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The old temple, in many ways, was a, was a place that highlighted um, how far we were from the presence of God. It was a, the old temple was something that, get, that, that spoke of keep out, Uh, Keep out from the presence of God. You're not good enough to be in the presence of God. This new temple is created by you and I rubbing shoulders. You and I become bricks next to each other in in a new temple in which God lives by his spirit. And then also we'll uh, hear about the idea of us being the body of the king. Um, This is a slightly different image from the temple one because it emphasizes how we are all different We're all diverse parts of one body. Um, We all have a unique role to play in which we are all brought together in a beautiful unity within our diversity. Um, And in in that unity, we are to become the hands and feet of King Jesus um, in this broken and hurting world. And again, we will hear about how Paul just longs for us to grasp that reality and live that reality, live lives that are worthy uh, of that story. Uh, We are to grasp the love of God, the power of God at work in us. And through that, we grow into one strong, mature body that is able to be the hands and feet of the king. So, um, as we go over this book in, uh, in this uh, autumn term, we will keep coming back to this question, uh, especially as we approach the baptism confirmation service on the 15th of, of November. We keep coming back to ask each other, what is your step forward going to be? Uh, what specific thing might you commit to in your faith that will enable you to grow into the story of the rule of King Jesus. Or maybe uh, you want to think about what part of the body 
might you be? Um, is, there a, is there a role that you're already doing that you could fill out in? Or is there a role that you could grow into that you don't currently do? Uh, something else that might enable us as a community to serve uh, this glorious story of the King.